Hello and welcome to your go-to Detroit Pistons podcast, The Pistons Pulse, co-hosted by me, Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops and Detroit Bad Boys, a former D1 Hooper, current high school coach, teacher, husband, and father of three amazing kids. And I'm Amari Sanko for the second, Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. Amari, I just found out you covered soccer in college <laughs> at Michigan State. Why? 52, three episodes, whatever, we're into this, and I just found out you cover soccer? I covered everything at Michigan State. I covered field hockey. I covered uh, women's and men's basketball, football. I did volleyball for a full semester. I did some soccer here and there. I did baseball here and there. It's easier to list what I didn't cover at Michigan State, honestly. So soccer was... Uh, one of the things on the list. Uh, shout out to Bobby from uh, MSU Athletic Comms, who still remembers all that from way back. I graduated in 2016, so it's been a few years. Ah, uh, no, nah, I love it. I love it. We're not here to talk about soccer, though. I'm, I'm sure we have some soccer fans. I haven't watched soccer in uh, a long time, Amari, but we're here to talk Pistons NBA trade deadline. We just want to get it out of the way. On Tuesday's episode, we'll drop a normal weekly episode on Tuesday. We will talk about the NBA at large. There's a lot of trades that went down that will be fun to talk about, Omari, from KD to Kyrie and everything in between. We're here to talk about Sadiq Bey to the Warriors, to the Hawks, and James Wiseman coming back to the Detroit Pistons. I know one thing that fans are really interested in, Omari, is is this something that's been developing for days? Was it something that just happened this afternoon? I know that it's been we, – we talked about it on Tuesday that Bay may actually have been the most gettable Detroit Piston. So can you let the listeners know kind of how this thing developed? Yeah, uh, I think it was a, a little bit of, of a surprise, honestly. I mean, we talked about earlier this week, you know, Sadiq uh, probably being the most gettable of that core – for various reasons. And, you know, I think, you know, for to swap Sadiq Bay for James Wiseman is probably not the deal I would have had circled for the Pistons going in. Um, you know, I think when it came down to it, uh, he was, you know, and I've reported, I pre- said this earlier today, I reported this in the past, that James Wiseman was number one on their draft board. And I think for Troy, uh, just to be able to gamble on that upside, uh, when you have a guy in Sadiq who, you know, he's a fan favorite and he has has some really big games here. Uh, but, you know, we've talked about this as well. Uh, sort of what type of player does he top out as, right? And, you know, I think long term, a lot of people would agree that James Wiseman probably has more upside. But Sadiq's also better right now, right? So I'm not saying this is a home run or anything. I think it could be one, but it'll take time to see how this plays out. Uh, but even a few hours before the trade was official, it sounded like there was some skepticism that it would have went through. So eventually the Pistons just decided, you know what, let's just do this. I don't think this was anything that they um, necessarily saw as like a shoe and trade up until they decided, let's just go ahead and do it. I wonder what else they were kind of playing there for. You know, I know the John Collins stuff's been thrown out there, but, um, you know, almost sounded like they didn't look at him as much of an asset. Like they wanted picks with John Collins to take on his contract. So I'm sure more stuff will come out over the next couple of days. And on Tuesday, we'll have even more insights to this stuff. Let's just, let's talk about Sadiq Bey being gone first, Omari, because I kind of wrote a list of pros and cons. And, and my first con was Sadiq Bey is gone. Like, I, I like Sadiq. I feel like we've been fairly critical of his game the inconsistency the defense needing to find his flow as a shooter you know all of those things what are the piss like 
How do you feel like the Pistons, are they going to miss Sadiq? Like, what is this going to mean moving forward, not having Sadiq around and kind of like putting a cap and a bow on his tenure with Detroit over the last two and a half years? Sadiq will be missed. I mean, he was he was liked in the organization. He was liked in the locker room. Of course, he came in along with Isaiah Stewart and, and, and Killian Hayes, and he's kind of been here since the start of this restoring. Um, so... And he's obviously a trade like that. Yeah. Like, I think there's going to be, um, you know, some tough emotions and stuff to see a guy like that trade. I mean, Sadiq's just a great guy. Like, I've never heard anybody say any, anything bad about him. Uh, I think this was purely a basketball trade. I think you just look at what he provides on the floor and, you know, his improvement has kind of come in, in, in starts and fits, right? Uh, he was cold for most of the season up until maybe a month ago. Uh, he was still cold starting off of last season and, uh, at the end of the day, I think it was just a basketball move, but you know, I don't think this was a we hate Sadiq Bay trade or anything. I think it really more so speaks to just how highly uh, they think of, of of James Wiseman, how highly Troy thinks of James Wiseman, and uh, just their belief that long term this could be a more transformational trade for the Pistons uh, than just hanging on to that contract for Sadiq, right? Um, so I think that's really what it comes down to, but. Sadiq was like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't think this was a trade that they made lightly. I think they did it understanding that this would probably be something that, I mean, and I've been on Twitter today. I mean, you've, you've been on Twitter that a lot of people probably would not have a very positive gut reaction to. Well, and, and even before we get into Wiseman, what I found interesting with Bay is like how many people are upset. Like all of a sudden now the blame is on Coach Casey and the staff. Like they didn't develop Sadiq Bay into this player that he's supposed to be. And my thing with Sadiq is, I wonder what his role is going to be in Atlanta. Now, I don't know. You know, we'll get to talk to, to Lauren. You know, that's that's pretty cool for Lauren Williams, who is a beat writer with you guys here in Detroit. Now down in Atlanta, she gets to cover Sadiq. But you know, at some point, I'd like to reach out. Like, what he he ain't going to start in Atlanta, Omari. And they have AJ Griffin, they have Jalen Johnson, they have Bogdanovich, the other Bogdanovich. I'm just really interested to see what Sadiq's role is for that team, how many minutes he gets, and that's going to be a playoff team. I assume. And so it'll be interesting. We'll finally get to see is Sadiq Bay a playoff, you know, caliber player? Is he a playoff caliber defender? So I think we will find a lot about Sadiq um, here moving forward the rest of the season. So I just, I think it's interesting right now, the conversation around Sadiq and it's like the organization didn't grow him the way they should, you know, all of the, should he have expanded his game? Should he have thrived in his role? Like, I don't know. Some of that conversation is just interesting to me. Maybe that's something we can break down more on Tuesday. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think there was maybe a lot of belief from the fan base, at least, that Sadiq had a lot of untapped potential that he was still getting into. And, you know, I think the thing about potential is you kind of have to show it. And Sadiq, you know, I think you could look at what he did this season. And uh, I wrote it in my story. I mean, he was sub 40% overall. And around, I think 31% from three over his first 40 games. It's not the first time he had that type of slow start. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely not a decision that they made lightly. And uh, we'll dive into questions here soon. But, uh, this was a conversation starter. I think that uh, we knew that they probably weren't going to trade Bogdanovic and Burks. And uh, going get into the deadline, I probably would have said, I could see a deal. I don't know if Sadiq would have been that guy. So definitely a surprise, definitely a trade that has gotten people talking. 
And we got a lot of great questions, and it's been cool to see uh, the early interaction we've gotten so far. So I just want to say also big thanks to everybody for joining this live. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for everybody tuning in. We really appreciate it. This is obviously our second live. The last one was a huge success, and hopefully this one will be as well. Let's talk about James Wiseman, because I think at the end of the day, this is what this trade comes down to. Everybody, not every, a lot of people are upset about Sadiq Bey right now, Amari. If James Wiseman becomes what James Wiseman was thought to become when he was the number two overall pick in that same draft, it's not going to matter. And at the end of the day, here's let, let me just get my frustration out right now. I see a lot of people, and, and people I think are extremely smart, and I respect very much, and I know their knowledge of basketball and the Pistons, that are saying, like, Wiseman has no chance of being good. I just want to give a couple stats, Omari. Wiseman has played 60 games in his career. He has played 1,098 minutes in his NBA career. If he averaged 25 minutes a game, that's only 44 games played. Essentially, this guy has played half of his rookie season. And the fan base, a lot of the fan base preached patience, patience, patience with Killian Hayes, but yet we're not going to give patience to James Wiseman when he's in the same scenario that Killian Hayes was last year. And for reference, Killian Hayes, Omari, has played three and a half times as many minutes as James Wiseman, 3,700. And Sadiq has played six times as many minutes, 6,113. So I just wanted to get those numbers out there that if you want to question James Wiseman, that's fine. But don't tell me we already know without a shadow of a doubt that he isn't any good. You cannot tell me that. No, we don't. And I'll, and I'll say that, and I'll also add to that and say that when I initially tweeted that, uh, he was first on Trey Weaver's draft board. And, you know, I would say probably 85% of the comments were like, well, that makes me feel worse about Troy, even though this is like a three-year-old draft board, right? And James Wiseman was also top five on most draft boards. So it's not really it's not really that wild of a take. I mean, he was the second overall pick and he was drafted by an organization and uh, the Golden State Warriors who have probably drafted the best of any organization over the last decade or even, you know, before that, you look at, you know, Clay and, and Steph Curry and the guys who kind of formed this court that they Draymond have Draymond in the second Draymond, round. Draymond, Jordan Poole, they have a very long track record for success. They took them number two. Um, so I was surprised that people kind of took the tweet that way. I, you know, for one, when I tweeted that, I didn't think the deal was going to go down. It became clear a little bit later, like, oh, actually, this might actually go down, right? Um, but it, it, took, it caught me off guard that so many people were like, that makes me have less faith in Trey Weaver. If the trade makes you have less faith, you're entitled to your opinion. But the reveal that he was on top of the draft board three years ago, <laughs> putting less faith was a confusing reaction to me because he was universally considered a top five prospect. I say he was on everybody's draft board. And, you know, and a lot of people had him number one, like a lot of reputable draft pundits over teams. Like this is a guy who came in with that level of clout. So that's not really like he had to live up to expectations. But you mentioned the minutes, the lack of minutes played and also like, you know, it's not like he had a guy who was like the 37th pick <laughs> that was like number one on his board. Like, like number two pick was number one on his board. Like, I don't understand retroactively saying, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing because he was number one when Wiseman hasn't played uh, due to injury and the situation he's in. And also he was absolutely that level of prospect. Like to me, that is that's not controversial at all. I was just surprised that people were saying that. But I agree. We haven't seen him play. And I think longer term, like he unquestionably has a chance to impact games more than Sadiq has for the Pistons. So it really is an upside swing. It may not work, but I think the bottom line is Troy Weaver looked at it and said, you know what? You know, I ended up with three guys in 2020 who might end up being good players, but none of these guys are truly moving the needle for us yet. So I just turned the 19th pick into the second overall pick, and this was my number one guy. So I think Detroit, this is like 
a pretty clear win, right? And I think you can look at the logic and say that this is a pretty logical trade from a pure basketball standpoint when you divorce the equity that I think Sadiq Bey built with the fan base. I get a little nervous about the Warriors' depth, Amari. That's where I start to question this move. Because here's the other thing. Wiseman only played three games in college also. So, like, that's another thing we have to factor in is he didn't he hasn't played a lot of uh, games and a lot of minutes in general. And reading scouting reports was, this is a guy that just needs reps. He needs reps. He needs reps. And then he hasn't got him in the NBA. But, Amari, the Warriors' bigs are literally Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, and Jonathan Kaminga. And so that's, that's if I'm going to be critical of this in terms of the move of uh, uh, an asset that you know in Sadiq Bay that is at least an NBA caliber player. And we know that it's established through 6,000 minutes and 200 games played. We trade that for a guy that, again, we don't know, but why he's healthy right now. Why has he not been able to crack that rotation? Why were they willing to give up on him now? When one injury to Kaminga and they have no big whatsoever and it looked like money was a reason, but then this trade continued to evolve and GP2 came back. Shout out GP2. I love his game and I'm glad he's back with Golden State. But now that money thing isn't even as, you know, um, as much of a factor. So that's what I find interesting. Like if I, if there's one thing where I'm like, man, this is kind of weird. It's that the Warriors gave up on him in this situation. And I do think a good amount of that was just simply fit because Wiseman's game so he's seven feet tall, super athletic, and he looks like a guy that does not need the ball on offense. And granted, he probably could play that way as well, right? Uh, just basically Durham. Like, you're not going to necessarily run plays for Durham. He's going to clean up lobs, and he's going to, um, you know, offensive rebound putbacks and whatnot, run the floor in transition. And Wiseman could do those things. But in high school, we only saw him for three games in college, but in high school, the word coming out was that he plays like Chris Bosch. Like, this guy I saw that comp too. plays with the ball. You could post him up. He could hit mid-range shots. He could expand his range, maybe eventually become a three-point shooter. And he is a guy that if he really begins to tap into his potential, you can run plays for him. He can make plays with the ball. And I think just from a pure fit with Golden State, who, I mean, they have like a motion offense, everything runs through stuff, obviously. And it requires, you know, essentially like a lot of guys can make things happen without the ball. Like Wingers gets in and, uh, his role changes entirely, right? But it's a good system because you have a guy in Steph Curry who has that type of gravity. And I just don't know if Wiseman, when you just look at one, he's still learning learning the game defensively. And he has the tools to be a great defender, but he's not right now. And offensively, he's probably going to want the ball a little bit. I just, like stylistically, I just wondered if a lot of that was more so fit and not maybe a, a talent issue, right? It's just go to state saying, we're trying to win. This is not going to work. And we're not going to pay $119 million in tax or whatever it was to keep him on, uh, you know, which from them, uh, you know, value standpoint, probably doesn't work out to use the number two pick on a guy that you trade two and a half years later. But just from a pure financial and a pure basketball fit standpoint, I think that was probably the motivator more so for them than just not believing in them. And well, and at the end of the day, they got GP2 back as part of all of this thing, mm-hmm. which they probably wouldn't have been able to do because of the tax would have been just ridiculous taking back his contract. So they opened up that cap space to bring in a player who I think they liked and hated to lose in the offseason. So it's not like they they didn't just punt on him for nothing. Like it opened up the ability to bring him back. I just I'm gonna throw out a few stats here, Omari, from James Wiseman per 36 for his career. Because his rookie year, he actually was pretty pretty decent, but 54% from the field. 33% from three. The, the three-point touch hasn't come around. The free throw percentage makes you a little nervous that maybe that doesn't ever come around. But essentially, he's been a 20-10 and 10 guy in per 36 minutes, Amari. 
Okay, a 20 and 10 guy. So it's not like this guy hasn't produced in the minutes he has gotten. His offensive rating is 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 worse than Sadiq Bay to be fair, but his defensive rating is better, which I do think we need to talk about his defense. His PER is better. Like there's some advanced metrics that go back and forth if you compare the two. So I just wanted it's not like this guy hasn't shown anything. That's that's where I've gotten frustrated is it's not like he has just completely sucked and never shown any ability to play the game of basketball in the NBA at all. And so, again, like you said, maybe it doesn't work. Maybe it doesn't pan out. But there is a little bit of intrigue and reason to be excitement, I think, with this. Yeah, I agree. I also throw out that another comparison that was kind of thrown around with Wiseman uh, around the time of the draft is Rasheed Wallace. And I think that that kind of comes from the fact that Rasheed liked to shoot. And he had the... Uh, you know, tools to be really good defensively and did eventually become one. And yeah, like I'm curious to see how Wiseman pans out. I think even like it's for me, it's more so just the fact that they have a lot of bounce to feed as far as their big man rotation. So that's what I kind of wonder about is how does Dwayne make this work when uh, maybe Wiseman can play some power for it next to Durham? Maybe he can't, right? Like I think that's probably what's going to be tough to figure out, but I do expect the Pistons will give him every opportunity to play and show what he can do. And this is, you know, this is a pretty big investment of Trey Weaver's part to have every incentive to do that. We're going to get to the chat question starting now, but this is why I like being live and having the video is if you guys see Omari smiling, it's because me, Omari, and Wes are having a little chat in the private chat on StreamYard. We record this on StreamYard, but it goes to YouTube. Omari's dad asked a question, and Wes asked Omari in the chat what Omari's dad's name was, and Omari was like, Omari Sankofa, we have the same name, and I just put Omari Sankofa and then quotations, the second. The like, second. Yeah. So... Uh, maybe this is funnier to us, but um, that's why Amari uh, is laughing. But Wes, <laughs> after that introduction for you, why don't you join us and ask these questions as they're coming in? And real quick, selfless plug for us, go to shop.freep.com. We finally got merch. It doesn't look exactly like this, but it's somewhat like this. It's bigger. It's cooler. It's better. It looks legit. Shop.freep, F-R-E-E-P.com. Wes may be able to put that in the chat on YouTube for you guys. If you want some uh, the Pistons Pulse merchandise, you do have to scroll a little bit. It's got the free press stuff at the top. You can buy that too, of course. But Wes, what's our first mailbag question here? All right. Uh, first question is from Jack Kelly and Slappy Sand. He says, uh, what do you guys basically just make of the report that Wiseman might start? So, Amari, is that true first? Because I've seen two different things. Like, if he plays well, he could start. Or is it, like, officially, like, it looks like it's going to be what I assume would be Wiseman and Duran? Yeah, I haven't heard he's going to start. And I checked in on it after I saw the report, and I got, you know, basically he just got here. So, <laughs> you know, that doesn't mean he won't start. But I, I haven't heard that he's going to start definitively yet. So, we'll we'll see. Um, you know, personally, I'd be a little surprised if he starts, like, day one when he gets here. But... Uh, you know, again, I you know, checked it on it. I didn't hear that. So that's a, a t- to be determined for me. So this is the fit thing. And I would be, it would be wrong of me to talk about fit here when we're going to talk about Scoot Henderson for the next four months. And I say best player available. Don't worry about fit, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I do think that, I don't think it's apples to apples, but it is similar. Like, I, I don't know that I see Wiseman playing well with Durin. And I don't know that I see Wiseman – I think he fits better with Duran than he does with Marvin Bagley III, to be honest with you. But I think that's what a lot of the fan base has issues with right now, Amari, is how do you play all these guys together? Stu, and even though the shooting's been in a slump, like he at least is playing on the perimeter, none of these other three guys can shoot. Like I don't even – 
We don't need to talk about Nerland's Noel. I know a question's coming a little bit later, but I don't think he factors into any of this. And we'll talk about whether he's getting bought out or whatever. Do you think Wiseman and Duran can play together or Wiseman and Marvin Bagley III off the bench as it does sound like Marvin Bagley III should be returning in the next week or two? When it comes to all the front court fits, I think Bagley is really the main guy who kind of accurately fits with all of them. Uh, like, I think he could play with Isaiah just because Isaiah, in theory, well, Isaiah's kind of been in the stump, but he is probably the best shooter of that group. Uh, but to me, just the lack of uh, spacing that and rim protection that Bagley provides just makes it tough for him to fit. I do think Wiseman and Duran could play together, but that would rely on Wiseman, like, really, really shooting the ball, which... Like he could hit threes here and there, but I don't know if he's like a straight up stretch five right now, uh, or stretch four, or whatever position you would have peg him at. I think one of those guys has to shoot. It's not going to be Duran, so that would force Wiseman out to the perimeter, and I got to see that before I believe in it. I wonder if Duran can pass good enough. Like I, nobody, nobody's been higher on his passing than me. I wonder if you can like get him in ball screen, short roll, and then they can play a little like. I guess it would be the new age way of playing some high-low game with Wiseman in the dunker spot just being super athletic. I I realize, again, spacing could be an issue. I know that's always a worry with this team. But, yeah, I agree. I think those are the two that could play together, which them starting together then would make sense because then, you, like you said, you can play Stu with Marvin Bagley III in the second unit. Um, Let's keep moving forward. Jack, both guys, huge supporters. Um, Appreciate both of you. What's the next question, Wes? All right, next one is what? are the worst median and like the 90% best outcomes to expect from Wiseman in Detroit? I mean, the worst is it, it completely flames, right? Like that's a, that's, that's yeah. a legit possibility, right, Omari? Yeah, the worst is just that he's not an NBA player. Like he comes in, he looks lost on offense, he can't defend. Uh, there's really no way you can play him and, and they just don't. And they're just like, this isn't going to work. We're not even going to take him to restrict the free agency. Uh, it's just done. So that's probably the worst outcome is that he just doesn't stick. Yeah, I think the median is he's the a second unit big. I mean, I think I think that's a realistic possibility. And maybe I'm a little too optimistic right now, but I think that's fair. I think there's a legit chance that he's at least Marvin Bagley, but a little bit better. And so, like that would be a second unit big. Maybe he never cracks Jalen Duran. And I mean, if they if they draft Victor, then it doesn't matter anyway. They're all second unit bigs because Duran and Wimby are starting. But I think that's the medium median. Excuse me. Expectation is he's you know like your first big off the bench. Yeah, I look at a guy like a like I'm trying to think of an athletic big who is not like a star, but like just a good player. And I don't know how much Isaiah Jackson has shown, but. Like, I just think of, like, what an ideal version of that would be where he's bouncy and can shoot a little bit and high energy. Uh, you can even throw in – I'm thinking of some names. Maybe, like, even, like, a – Clint Capella might be too good for, like, a median yeah. outcome. But just yeah, but Wiseman's like, – that's better defensively than what Wiseman's yeah. going to be, but a, – A solid ro- rotation big, right? Like, he probably won't start. He could back up during, but he's going to give you some protection, some athleticism. And he's probably Bagley, but probably a little bit better defensively than Bagley. Uh, you, like he's got good touch around the rim, gets some mid-range shots, maybe a three here and there. Uh, to me, like that's that's his median outcome. It's just good rotation big. And Bobby, the ninety percent is he ends up being a starter. Like I, again, maybe I'm being too positive, but I just think this is a real outcome. Now, what's the percent of that? I don't know. I haven't watched enough film. I'm going to dive in tomorrow. Uh, luckily, we don't have school tomorrow, so I get to dive into film um, first thing on a Friday morning of James Wiseman. But I I think there's a real possibility that this stuff all clicks. Not everybody could have been wrong about this. Well, I guess they could. People have been wrong before. So I guess they could be wrong. But 
there's at least the upside there. And I think you touched on it. The defense is where I think there's potential. I, I was reading a lot of reports. I was talking to people leading up to this. There was a lot of people high on James Wiseman's defense coming into the NBA, Amari. It just hasn't panned out. The awareness hasn't been there. But I did read an article where uh, – Steve Kerr was saying that he feels like he's starting to figure out that he's getting better. Now, obviously, it wasn't good enough or they would have kept him. I understand that. But I think there's a defensive potential that I just don't know that's still there with Marvin Bagley III. And the offensive upside is there. So I think the 90% outcome is like he's not maybe a core member, but like he could be a starter. I would still take Jalen Duren's upside. I think Jalen Duren's upside is is insane. But I think Wiseman has real starter potential. Yeah, I think the 90% is probably a guy like Miles Turner or like Brooke Lopez, right? Like a guy who could very capably protect the rim, uh, one of the NBA's best rim protectors, and can also knock down outside shots. Like I think that's kind of the uh, 90% outcome for him. The 100% obviously is you're getting into like superstar territory. But, um, you know, but if he taps into most of his potential, we're talking about a pretty good, uh, starting center, and there's only so many guys who can protect the rim and space the floor. And those guys, uh, even like a Jaron Jackson, I think he's probably a better rebounder, a better athlete than Jaron. But you, know, you just talk about guys who can really, really defend, move in space, and like knocking down outside shots. And those guys just tend to be extremely valuable. So I would put him sort of in that tier if he gets close to his his uh, max potential. I'm glad you said move in space because I was just messing around on synergy with the numbers, and actually he's graded out really well against pick and roll handlers. Now I haven't watched the film. I haven't watched the film and defensive metrics. I always am wary of those, so don't take this to heart, but I'm interested to watch tomorrow how much switching he did and how he looked in those switch situations. So here's my question then, Omari. If we're talking about Sadiq Bey, if we're answering these questions for Sadiq Bey, I would say Sadiq Bey's worst outcome probably isn't as bad as James Wiseman. His median, I don't know, probably similar, maybe a little bit lower, but I don't think his 90% outcome is as high as what we just said about James Wiseman. Would you agree? No, I would agree with that. Uh, I think a lot of the stuff with Sadiq is uh, he doesn't give you a, a lot or anything on defense, and I think that really knocks down his potential. Uh, there was some, you know, like if we're, I even like last year on the pod, we're throwing out like best case scenarios and you throw out like Chris Middleton and whatnot. But Chris Middleton can defend, but he's also a really good playmaker for a forward, and Sadiq regressed as a playmaker, and, you know, also the defense just hadn't been there. So I would say probably not 90% for Sadiq Bay is probably more like a six-man. Like I said, like, I don't know if that'd be like a, a, a Kelly Oubre type, but you're just talking about a guy who's going to be able to give you buckets that can really heat up. Like, I remember Oubre hit like nine or ten threes in a game. That's, the only, that's only against the Pistons, Amar. That's <laughs> but it would be that type of outcome, right, where he's just a bucket getter. He'll always have a role in the NBA. Uh, he'll heat up. He'll have some big nights. But he's given up enough that it's always going to knock his ceiling down a little bit. And I do want to say, and I know some people don't care about this, but, like, this stuff does – Wiseman is 22, or yeah, will turn 22 in March, and Sadiq will turn 24 in April, I believe. So Sadiq is legit two years older than James Wiseman, plus all the other minutes of NBA game experience and all of that. So I just want to continue to reiterate, we have a currently 21-year-old who has only played 1,000 minutes in the NBA in his career and only had three games of college. So we're talking about a very, very raw prospect still. Now, if you're worried about the organization being able to develop players and all that, that's a different conversation. But thank you, Bobby. More importantly, Bobby, thank you for the soccer information about Amari at Michigan State. What do we got next, Wes? All right, next one. I'm going to twist this one a little bit since we were kind of talking about the potential with Wiseman anyway. So Arby's wondering uh, long-term if we think the best 
or not the best, but the vision for Wiseman would be to be a starter. I think so. I think you, well, one, I would say if he reaches his potential that he's absolutely a, a, a starter, I don't think the Pistons see anything for him per se. I think the logic for the trade was just, he was the number two pick for a reason and he hasn't played and he was drafted by a team that probably couldn't properly utilize him and give him the minutes he needed to fully develop. And I think the Pistons would hope that these all these guys reach their potential, right? You know, if you have two starting bigs and you have to trade a guy at some point, then you just trade one. But uh, I think the Pistons just want to develop both of these guys. I don't necessarily think they see Wiseman and Duran as like the forecourt of the future. If they develop that way, perfect. But I don't think that – I think they just took a flyer on Wiseman because they really believe in his potential and they believe that he has – a chance to live up to that draft position from a few years ago. So if it works out with him starting with Durant, cool, but I don't think they are necessarily going to come out and say, this is our starting front court of the future. Cause it may not work out that way. And then you just said that for no reason. So I don't think they're going to do that. And I don't think they're going to place those expectations right off the bat. Thank you. Shout out RB. He's a huge supporter. Always interacts with us on Twitter. Great stuff. Really appreciate him and all of his support. And I'll just say like, you can't pencil anybody in at the four as a starter, because if you get the number one overall pick, that is Victor Wimbanyama's spot. So at the end of the day, you know, you could draft Victor and then you have Stu and Wiseman coming off the bench. Or if Wiseman doesn't pan out, maybe it's Stu and Bagley still, or maybe you're back in the market for another one. But I, I, I'm with you, Amari. I, I think it would make sense for them just to be like, hey, we're just going to develop this guy. Maybe they felt like the Warriors didn't have the, you know, the patience for it or just the 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 usage for him. I mean, look, this is way dramatic, but look at what Cam Thomas is doing for the Brooklyn Nets right now. Like I just looked. Cam Thomas played 67 games, averaged like 17 minutes a game, and scored eight and a half points last season. Had only played 30-some games. And then he gets this high usage, and he's dropped three 40-point games in a row. I'm not saying Wiseman is going to do that by any means. I'm just saying that sometimes these young guys do get in situations where they aren't able to flourish and show everything, and maybe a change of scenery will open up some opportunities for Wiseman. Yeah, and that's been Troy. We resent Mo. Uh, you said a lot of the same stuff. And they traded for Bagley, and they traded for other guys. Hami, uh, you get a guy in to give him a chance to succeed, right? You give him the resources and and, and every tool he needs to, to thrive. And it may not work out, but that's just been his mo. Is we're going to get players in, we're going to take a look at them. Uh, you know, to use his uh, phrase, get a, get our hands on them, just really get them involved and see what happens. So uh, this is the, the same thing. Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to. You know, Christian James Wiseman is the savior for the the, the rebuild or whatever, but they are going to give him opportunities to thrive and succeed and find his voice here. And I do want to say, right, real quick, I was reading an article that it sounds like Wiseman's a great dude. Like, you know, the organization loved him in Golden State. He was a hard worker, like all of those things. And I'm sure you can find those reports about most players, but you can also find reports the other way about some guys. And I mean, I didn't dig deep, but the the couple articles I did read sound like he was a really good and had a really good personality. I'm I'm really intrigued that whenever you get to, you guys get media with him and get a chance to interview him, like what your perspective is, just his personality. Because I do know just from talking to you and being, you know, a media member for a few games so far that, you know, different guys do have different personalities. Some open up more, some don't, some are, you know, more involved in the locker room. So it sounds like he's just kind of got a big booming personality that's, you know, super positive. So, um, you know, maybe a, another welcome to to the locker room. All right, next one up. Uh, so this is Prince Zimri's wondering what the rotation is going to look like the rest of the year with Wiseman and Duran and Stu, and obviously Bagley's coming back soon too. So I think one thing about this season, uh, when you just kind of look at the rotations, is this roster, and we're not counting Nerlens, 
really only has one guy who can like protect the rim and that's Duran, and he's a rookie right so he's still learning things so now you have two guys who are like legit centers and you could have Wiseman back up Duran, and that's probably you know like fine right uh, but you could always have a lap threat on, on the floor uh, you know there's been a lot of talk about whatever guard comes off the bench doesn't get to play with Duran as much and now you just got to fix that like now Killian or you know Killian's back in the starting lineup now but you know that'll continue to shift as the year goes on uh you always have that type of athleticism on the floor and those two guys may not start next to each other you know or may cut into like Bagley's minutes and some of the stuff we're just going to have to see but I guess the other thing along with that is I think now like Bogey is a three on the scene. Like I know Dwayne's talked about not wanting to play him at the four just because you give up a little bit of size and rebounding. And now he is a three. And now Wiseman essentially takes a lot of those bay minutes. And because of that, I probably see Isaiah Stewart being a full time four now. And I think that's probably how it's going to shake out. So does Wiseman start? Like I really don't know. I think if Wiseman starts, that kind of creates some more rotation issues on top of which we already have. But uh, he could just really slot in pretty well as the backup five. And, you know, now Stewart's your four. You don't have him trying to fight amongst the trees down there. And uh, it could work out pretty cleanly, honestly. Maybe everybody doesn't get as much minutes as they want. But I think just from a pure fit standpoint, you have two athletic bouncy centers <laughs> on, on the roster. And you could just leave it at that and just leave Stewart at, at the four and Bagley. I'm sorry. Yeah, and Marvin Bagley as your four. And some of those may be spacing challenge, but you can probably – they have 14 wins. I mean, you know, I think it'll be fine in the long run as far as the season. Well, it also opens minutes for Livers and Hami, right? Like, the, yeah. there's no more log jam there at that position. And no matter what you think about those guys, and I've been critical of Isaiah Livers' play so far this season. I want to see him playing better. But now we're going to get a real look at Isaiah Livers, Hamadou Diallo, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent. I kind of wonder if it's a nine-man. So you have Cade obviously out, Magruder, Kojo, and Noel, who – you know, whatever happens with those guys, but I don't think they're really rotation guys. There is an open space or an open roster spot after this trade because of how it went down. But Hayes, Ivy, Boyan, Stu, Duran start. You can stagger Hayes and Ivy. Then you get Burks, Hami, Livers, and Wiseman off the bench. Like that's a nice little nine-man rotation. You know, Livers can play some spot minutes at the four when Stu isn't. When Bagley comes back, again, maybe it gets a little bit awkward but I, I think that'll be that gives Hami and Livers some time to play. And to your point, now there's no reason that a lob threat shouldn't always be on the floor, which that's the thing with Killing Hayes, right? Everybody thinks Killing Hayes has to have a lob threat to be successful. Killing Hayes fans should be ecstatic, okay, on Thursday night. Here's the other thing that that opens, or the other thing that Troy Weaver has done that fans used to complain about was athleticism, right? Well, in the last how many ever months, you've added Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran. Tommy's been around for a little bit, James Wiseman. Like the, the athleticism on the floor for the Detroit Pistons has definitely increased in the last 12 months. And I really do think we will see moments from James Wiseman that's like, oh, that's why he was the number two pick, right? I noticed a lot of times when trades first happen, people have like an immediate backlash. Uh, I remember last year when uh, the Grizzlies swapped, or maybe it was two years ago, now I forget, uh, but when the Grizzlies swapped Jonas Valanciunas for Steven Adams. Oh, yeah. First of all, they traded for Jonas Valanciunas when I was there, and he came in for Mark Gasol, and you had fans who were tied to Mark Gasol. And I think generally people understand it's time to move on, but there's some backlash because it's like, well, this guy's not Mark, so I hate him. And then he comes in, and everybody loves him, right? And then they trade Jonas, and everybody's like, oh, well, I hate Steven Adams because he's not Jonas, and I don't love Steven Adams. I, I really do think once people see some of the things James Wiseman could do, you may still miss a deep bay, and I'm not saying you know, you'll still think the trade will work out, but I do think when you have that role, you'll see – 
you know, we'll see flashes of some of the, the playmaking Wiseman has, some of the shooting. And if you see those things, that gives even more flexibility, right? Because now you can play him with the four or five. And then you mentioned everything with Hami and Livers as well. Uh, this does clear up more time for other guys. So I think rotationally it seems kind of murky, but I think in action they could probably end up working out a lot better than we're envisioning right now. I just, I don't know. I don't think it can work. The spacing wouldn't be great, but Ivy, Hami, Wiseman, and Duran on the floor together is a lot of athleticism for a team that 12 months ago didn't have anywhere close to the ability to put that amount of athleticism on the floor. So again, I don't know if it'd be successful, but like if you wanted to get after it defensively and cause some havoc and get out and transition, um, you know, that would be a lot of fun. We got probably 10 minutes here, guys. Thank you again, everybody that's tuned in, listening, watching. Wes, let's go rapid fire here. I know I get long-winded as much as anybody, but we'll try to go a little rapid fire here with the questions that are left. All right, next one. We've got this from a lot of people, including the earlier mentioned OG Omari Sankofa. Uh, so there's an open roster spot now. Any ideas on how they're going to fill it up? I think that remains to be seen. Um, you know, there's some there's some talk about the you know buyout market being pretty robust, and we kind of have to see what that entails. You know, I don't expect the Pistons will be super interested in the John Wall or a, a uh, <laughs> oh, hold Russell up, hold up. John Wall back in Houston is the most underrated yeah. aspect of the day. I know we guys stay on Pistons stuff today, but like that is that is mind blowing to me after some of the interviews that have come out. Yeah, it, like that was one I was like, oh, like after all this, he ends up back and. Uh, yeah, but I think, you know, but we will see. Like, I, you know, I think, you know, if there's a, a, a young wing who is the market with some defensive upside, we can see Pistons go after a player like that. Uh, that's very much a TBD. I think the bio market is so fresh. A lot of that is, let's see who becomes available first. But absolutely, I think they'll use that roster spot for something. I want to turn this question. And thank you to everybody that asked, including the OG Omari Sankofa. Omari's dad, like, we getting to know his mom, his dad. They all are participating. <laughs> my parents got to step up their game. Like, they may be watching. I don't know. I sent them the link, but I'm not sure if they know how to use YouTube. Like, they're super old, and, and I'm not really sure. So I'll find out if they're watching here in a few minutes if I get a text message or phone call that, that they're mad I called them out on the on the broadcast. But what is going to happen with Nerlens Noel and Corey Joseph, Omari? We've talked about this. I didn't feel like they were going to be here after the deadline. Do you think that something works? And and there we go. So go ahead and read the question, Wes. Yeah, well, you just transitioned right into it. So I figured I'd throw it up. Basically, are they going to buy out Noel this year or just kind of let him finish out the season and decline that team option? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's got the team option this summer. Like, you know, you can see him as an insurance option. Uh, you know, like you can just easily decline the team option and just take the cap space this summer. Uh, you know, like if he doesn't want to take the buyout, then – you know, he probably doesn't have a lot of incentive to leave money on the table. So uh, I think that's a TBD as well. I wouldn't be shocked to see a buyout. But, uh, you know, I got a lot of questions earlier, like why didn't they trade Nerlens? And, you know, I think the question of that is, you know, how many teams were going to, you know, essentially give up an asset, you know, to acquire him and how many contenders have a situation where they can, like, absorb his contract. And, you know, you realize that that list is, is pretty scant. So uh, he's, he's here. I mean, you know, he hasn't played a whole lot, but, uh, you know, to, to, to me, like, that's kind of up to him, right? If he wants to take a buyout, he can do that and go somewhere else, or he could just become a free agent this offseason. But, uh, you know, the Pistons don't need the roster spot now. Like, they have an additional roster spot. They'll need they'll need two. So I wouldn't be shocked if they just carry him into the offseason and then decline that option. Yeah, and I mean, Keith Smith told us, right? We asked him what the market for Nerlens Noel was, and he said the buyout market. And so, you know, at that point, I think neither of us expected. What's crazy, though, is like second-round picks were flying around all over the place today. I think I saw somewhere that it said it was the most second-round picks that have been traded on 
NBA trade deadline. I just it's surprising that you couldn't at least get a second round pick for him, but you never know how these things work out. So you're you're right. Like I just don't know. It, it'll be interesting if Nerland wants out. And if there's, you know, a, a team out there, a, con- a contender that that has use for him or wants him, and if not, then yeah, he probably just takes his money, finishes out the season the way it's been going now, and uh, you know, very much anticipate the Pistons will decline that option in the offseason. I do want to make a quick note that this trade did lower their available salary in the offseason, their salary cap, you know, four or five million, I think, because Knox was a couple million, Bay was, you know. Uh, Wiseman's contract is way higher than Bay's based off where he got drafted, even though they're in the same draft. And then you add on a couple million for Knox. So I think it was like five or six million range um, is all it lowers. Not a big deal, grand scheme of things, but it, it was worth mentioning. Yeah, it does. Depends on still a lot of cap space, so it probably won't change your plans too much. All right, next up, a little draft question for us. Uh, if the Pistons do draft three to five, who's the best Sadiq Bay replacement? Bryce, I'll see you smiling. I'll let you go ahead. No, I just – we've been <laughs> waiting to get into the draft. Yeah. and actually, I'm actually excited to talk to the draft. That's why I'm like, Bryce, yeah. I'm going to let you start this. this you're ready or you, you're not ready? Did you say you are ready or not ready? No, I'm ready. I'm ready to hear who you would take three, oh. three through five. Okay, so I got, I still got Amin Thompson, number three. You know, Victor Scoot, I got him in. Brandon Miller's right there, and I know that's a name that Pistons fans are probably familiar with, especially if you're on Twitter, because Rafael Barlow, a very respected NBA draft analyst, NBA locked on big board, essentially said like even at number two, he would consider taking Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson because of fit, but also. And then this was after talking to Raphael as well, that like the the gap between those guys isn't as far as some make it out to be. Now, for me, it still is, but you know, obviously Raphael knows his stuff. So those are two guys. Cam Whitmore, another Villanova guy, is someone that would slot into that. Asar Thompson, which is a men's twin brother, overtime elite. Those guys are such a hard evaluation because of the program they're playing for. I don't know, it's scary, but you talk about high. Let me tell you this: like you add a men Thompson. Or Sar Thompson to the, the lineup I just said, and it's athleticism out. Like that, it'd be hard to compete with that in the NBA anywhere. Amin is a top one percent athlete in the NBA day one. Shooting is the question mark with those guys. Brandon Miller would be intriguing um, because he can really score it. He's shooting the heck out of the ball right now. So those are a few names that are in that range right now. I agree with that, and I will say Brandon Miller is by far the player I trust the most in that group. Uh, he reminds me like he reminds me of Rashard Lewis, and it's funny like Rashard is a player like I was yeah. using like a comparison for uh, Jabari Smith Jr. last year, and then Rashard Lewis is joining <laughs> the Pistons as a player development coach. I'm, it's been cool being able to get to know him, talk to him a lot this season. But uh, I see a lot of, of uh, Rashard Lewis and, and Brendan Miller just as a pure three point shooter, and I don't know if he's going to be a superstar in the NBA, but I think he'll be an above average starter for a long time. And if there's an argument the Pistons should gun for upside, like I think that's fair. Um, I don't like the gunning for upside options in this draft as much. Like I like, like I like Amin Thompson, but I think if he busts, like that's a pretty bad one because he, for one, you already have a lot of ball handlers, right? You have Ivy, you have uh, Killian, you have Cade, and he's probably a guy that's going to need the ball on offense to uh, make his impact. And, you know, maybe after I get past the season, I start diving into draft stuff a little bit more. Really once I get past, Really now, like I'm past the deadline. It's so that's time. When I start it's the, time. <laughs> so that's when I start to get into the draft up a little bit more. So really now. But for me, I just think Brandon Miller fits a clear need for this team. He's a, a, a spot-up shooting forward. He's got a little ball skill. Uh, I just like his game a lot. And he's the guy that I think if the Pistons were in that 3-5 through five range, I would I would feel the best t- taking him by far. I would sleep soundly at night. I wouldn't worry about him 
you know, not working out in two years, like I would, it's, it's like, like a warm blanket pick. Like, like I would just do that. I would do that. I love it. And, and I want to throw out a few more names, Amari, just in case either the Pistons fell further, um, which they shouldn't be able to fall lower than, well, it could be six or seven, I guess, depending on where they land, or if they happen to get another lottery pick like they did with Jalen Duran. So, you know, a Michigan guy, Jet Howard, Jet Howard's going to be a lottery pick. And I don't know how Michigan fans feel about that. Bryce Sensabaugh at Ohio State is another guy that would, you know, fit really nicely. And Grady Dick at Kansas is a smooth shooter, can really shoot um, off ball. You know, defense, on ball isn't very good. Off ball defense is okay. And, you know, he's like 6'8", so he has a little bit of size. So those are some names as well in that range. If you get past like five or six, you get into seven to 12, and there's a few wings. I like all three of those guys. I like Jet Howard. I don't know how Michigan fans feel, but I like Jet Howard. Grady Dick can really shoot it, and since the ball has been sensational as a freshman for Ohio State. So there's some intriguing prospects in that range. And, and real quick, another name I've seen a lot is Jarris Walker at Houston. Really talented player, plays really hard. I would consider Jarris Walker like what we want Isaiah Stewart to be. So he's not a three, but he is a good player. Now it could get a little log jam with him as well, but um, the, the draft talk is going to be fun whenever we really dive into that. Yeah, we're not too far away from it now. I think people have been kind of ready for it for a few weeks already. So uh, it'd be fun to do that, uh, honestly, pretty soon here now. Real quick, my mom just texted me. She said, of course, we're watching and on the TV. I'm shocked that they figured out how to put it on the TV. <laughs> and she said, careful with the age comments. Mom, I love you so much, but you are old. So, but <laughs> uh, all right, Wes, what do we got next? All right, next one. Uh, this is a two-parter. We've answered already the second, so he's just wondering if there's going to be a Troy Weaver post-trade deadline press. I expect there will be. They, they haven't announced anything yet, but they just they just traded for James Wiseman. I'd be shocked if we didn't hear from uh, Troy for the next week or so. What's interesting about the timing of this trade is that the Pistons have a, a, a road trip coming up, right? So we leave for Toronto on Saturday, and then we'll be in Toronto and Boston all the way through uh the beginning of all-star break so timing wise i'm curious if pistons would just like do it on zoom or if it comes later or i, I would think they would do a press conference they 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 went for bagley last year so i don't see why they would do one for james wiseman but that's a tbd uh, pr hasn't said anything yet so we'll just have to see and i do want to make a note like wiseman is ready to play uh, you know, by all accounts like he's healthy and ready to play I think he just played a few nights ago so you know whenever he can get with the team and get up to speed and all that I, I assume we'll see him playing fairly soon maybe not on Friday night against the Raptors but maybe he'll join excuse me the team on the on the road trip after that so all right Wes what again thank you Henry Richard Brooks another guy he asked the last question no Richard from Twitter always interacting again thank you thank you to everyone watching everybody that's sending in questions especially those that have been longtime loyal listeners tuning in every week all right next one up this is Tyler Thurman he's got two questions so one he, he said that sounded like there may have been a deal that was close to getting done at the last minute he's wondering if he had any details on that and then how close they were or weren't to dealing Bojan I don't think they're really super close to any. I think they were involved in a lot of different talks and, you know, there's some stuff with John Collins as well. You know, but once they got that Sadiq Bay trade agreed to, like, I think for the most part, that was probably, you know, maybe there was some potential of that deal getting a little bit bigger. But, you know, I don't think they ever got really that close to trading Boyan Bogdanovic or Alec Burks. Um, like, I was talking to somebody earlier today and it was just clear, like, we've, we've refused every deal for these guys. Like, it wasn't really like that ambiguous and that should have been the word just from, from talking to you know different people from the team throughout this whole process is 
we're leaning toward keeping these guys. Like we set a high price and we're, you know, without saying it straight up, like we're probably not going to trade these guys. Like we, you know, we want to keep them and, you know, keep them with the core and it'll take a big deal to um, pry them away from us. So I really don't think they ever came that close to Dylan Boyan. I don't think a team ever came close to it. Uh, even if it's an offer that maybe on paper is a fair offer for Boyan, I don't think the Pistons ever looked at the offer and thought, we really need to do this. No, I think I think it was always uh, pretty certain that he was going to be here past the deadline. Yeah, I mean, I, we've talked about this, right? I think I was more okay with uh, trading Boyan than you were, but even I said I wanted it to be for the right price. There was no need to rush it. And, you know, this was one of the cases where the team kept telling us something team kept telling us something team kept telling us something and it, it was true they wanted boy on they wanted to keep him around they are fine bringing him back next year they think he has a role and it looks like that you know is true at least at least till the offseason right we saw this with jeremy this is the same thing that happened with jeremy grant we all thought jeremy grant was going to get traded last deadline he made it through the deadline and then got traded in the offseason i'm not saying boy on will but it's a similar situation as that so, Wes, you said we got five more questions. We're going to try to get to all of them. Since you guys stayed around with us, you're watching with us, tuning in here on your Thursday evening, we're going to get through those five questions here before we shut it down. All right, so moving a little quicker, but this is a little more of a technical question. Uh, Jason's wondering if you can sign two-way guys from other teams. No, I think there is – that's a, a good like, – I think once you're on that two-way contract, you're on that two-way contract. That's what I think as well. And I would have to get into the rules and make sure that that's the case. But in my top cover, DB, I've never seen a two-way guy signed by another team. So I think the contract is that contract that, uh, you know, until the team parts ways with them, uh, you know, they're under that deal up until that uh, following offseason. So, no, I'd like, I, I don't think they could call whoever the Celtics two-way guys are. I don't think they have Taco Fall anymore. Uh, whoever the Celtics two-way guys are say, hey, we're going to, you know, sign us guys to a $5 million deal. I don't think they could do that. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's kind of the idea, right, is it's essentially two extra roster spots that you, like, have as members of your organization. You know, it's not like the NFL practice squad where you can sign anybody from an NFL team's practice squad, but you have to put them on your active roster if you do it. I don't think it's that way with the two. I don't even know if it's that way with G League guys. Um, that, that would be another question and, and something to dive into. Maybe we can get a little more clarity on that for Tuesday. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but I think two-way guys, like that's its own unique contract. And uh, Again, I've just – I've never seen it. I've never had to actually look up if that's possible. <laughs> but I've also never had to answer that question because it's never happened. So my guess would be no. Yeah, there's some guys that are pretty talented on two-way contracts. I think you would be – you know, that that would open them up to being stole by, you know, other teams. I, I, that doesn't seem like something that the NBA would want happening. But really good question, Jason. And if we're wrong, we'll definitely admit it and, and have a for-sure answer on Tuesday. All right, next one up. Uh, wondering what the impact of this trade will be on Isaiah Livers. Yeah, I think it gives him an opportunity to come in and, you know, just do what he does. Uh, this has not probably been the season that – a lot of people wanted or what he wanted. He's been banged up a little bit, hasn't shot it extremely well. Um, but again, like we've seen what he could do, right? Like the game just seemed like he moved really slow for him last season. And, you know, I think the shooting is just the team defense he plays. Like if he could come in and kind of seize those minutes and, and that road vacated by Sadiq Bay, he could really, you know, I think secure his future with the team. And that's not to say he's on the precipice of not being with the team at all. I think they view him as a core guy, but from a, a minutes and opportunity standpoint, I think he's probably in a better situation than he was the time yesterday. Yeah. And I'm cool with it. He, yeah. the three point shooting is at 36% right now on three and a half attempts. And I, I, he has, obviously has to shoot it better for the role he's in. 36% isn't bad. It's not bad. 
But for the role he has, I think you got to be closer to the 40%. But I do like that he's going to get a chance. What is there, 20 to you know 30 games left, whatever it is. And he's going to get a chance to play major minutes. He, he essentially has to. I mean, at, with the wing depth, him and Hami have to play a lot of minutes. And I'm cool with both of that. Hami has played really well. Livers hasn't, so they're kind of in different places, but I'm definitely up for seeing more minutes from those guys. Again, it gives you a chance to make a for sure decision on Hami as he's an unrestricted free agent, and Livers gets real consistent rotation minutes to find out what his contributions can be. So as far as just like a a tertiary you know, aspect of this, more minutes for those guys is something I'm encouraged by and positive about. This is a little more of a retrospective one, but Andrew's wondering if getting – bogey on the team really might have hurt Bay's development early on and then kind of you know led into this trade I don't think so it is not uncommon for rookies to be drafted into situations where they're not the best guy on the team or automatically given the minutes that Sadiq Bay had you know if that got into his head a little bit I think only Sadiq Bay knows right uh but you know I think the way the season played out for him is not dissimilar to how it played out for him last season either that inconsistency like we saw it before this season so I don't know if that was necessarily a consequence of bogey i think that that's just you know sadiqa's development learning how to bring it every single night uh so i I wouldn't say that you know i think at the end of the day you know he did start the season out in the starting lineup you know he still had opportunity to show what he could do and he's never been out of the rotation he's always gotten those minutes and still got the same work behind the scenes and all that you know i would say if bogey coming to the team hurt bay's development then that's not i don't think that that is a mistake the Pistons made and I did kind of sit down on Twitter a little bit like well they didn't give Bay a chance to succeed because they brought Bogey in and this and that it's like it's the NBA like you know if you're not a superstar there's always gonna be somebody better and even then like Kyrie's not the best player on this team right like you know like that's just how it's going to be and you know typically you it's on you to develop and uh handle whatever situation or whatever role you're in so I wouldn't say that like most teams have multiple guys that can shoot the ball or you know good teams have multiple guys that can create their own shot and you know, good players simply figure it out. Like, I don't think it hurt his development. I think it's just, that's just something Sadiq's had to deal with is just inconsistency. But I don't think Bogey necessarily is the reason why. I think even without Bogey, it still probably could have played out pretty similarly this season. Well, it's kind of like what we talked about with Killian Hayes, right? If a player has to, especially a role player, has to be in this just perfectly vacuum situation to be successful, then what kind of NBA role player are they? And so if Sadiq can't play with another good wing, well, then like, how good of a role player is he in this league? And so, and another thing I've found out today, and I'm not saying I'm right, I'm not saying anybody else is wrong, but I tend to put the responsibility on the player's individual improvement more than the coaching staff or the organization or, or whatever. And I realize there's situations where they aren't put in you know, successful situations. Marvin Bagley goes staying in the corner, Sacramento Kings. But in general, I put that growth on the player. And just looking at his per 36-minute like field goal attempts, Amari, his rookie year, he only got 13. Last year, 15.1. This year, 14.5. I was going to mention that. Yeah, like so it's not like his his attempts have gone down. His rebounds are essentially the same. His still att- played 29 minutes a game, even with you know going between his first and second unit. Um, I think a lot of times when guys – uh, but their development is hurt is because they just weren't playing. Like they traded for another guy and now you're like, you know, maybe you play 10 minutes or whatever. Like that can affect your confidence. Sadiq was still playing a lot of minutes. Uh, you know, it's not like the Pistons were like, oh, we got bogey. So, you know, you, you know, buy, like, you know, you play five, 10 minutes, maybe if, if you're lucky, like you're still in the rotation, you still, you know, by all means absorb uh, core starter guy minutes. So no, like, I think, you know, and not to cut you off, Bryce, but I think, I think, 
his role was still probably bigger than it was when he was a rookie. Honestly, when you just look at the pure minutes played and, and, and shot attempts per game. Yes, I say he played more minutes in his rookie year, more field goal attempts. The three point attempts were down a little bit, more free throw attempts. Um, assists were up a little bit. His assists, that's the thing that dropped, right? Last year, we were really excited about the assists. It actually went down from last year. It's like cut in half from last year almost. Yeah. Effective yeah. field goal percentage is actually gone down each year. So, I mean, I guess this is a long way of saying no. I don't think either of us thinks that that's like an overwhelming reason that he, I don't know, stayed the same player. I I, I hate to say this about a guy that's only going to be 24, but I feel like he is who he is. And, and that's okay. I still think that that's a quality NBA player. And the Pistons decided that a quality NBA player was worth trading for a flyer on a guy who we talked about earlier has pretty high upside who's only 22 years old right now and only played 1,100 minutes. So I think that's what this is about, kind of as you have outlined as well. Yeah, I mean, I think just the Pistons, because they've been so developmentally focused, on a lot of teams, they would not have gotten the rudder he's had this season. Sure. Like I think some teams just would have said, you know, you're shooting you know, 35% from three and 40% overall, and we're trying to win. So, you know, we don't have the patience to give you that road. The Pistons have been – I think they've been patient with all their young guys. Like Killian, like all their guys have been given ample opportunity to – show what they could do. So I think with the team in general, I don't know why there's a perception that guys haven't been given opportunities to thrive, but they absolutely have. I mean, I'm like, I just need to get the numbers. I don't think that's true at all. All these guys have been given plenty of time. I think the argument, well, there's not good players around. Well, it, it's a rebuild. There's not, there. you're right. There, this roster isn't that talented. You're absolutely right. But I think some of the things that we complained about, myself included, Weaver has addressed. Two years ago, the biggest, com- no, a year ago, excuse me, a year ago at the trade deadline, what was the biggest complaint? That there was no lob threat. Marvin Bagley III, Jalen Duran, James Wiseman. In 12 months, Troy Weaver went out and got three lob threats so that Killian Hayes and you know it would have been Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey never have to play without a lob threat. The shooting is still a thing, but they added Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. Those are two, two of the elite best. Shooters. Two elite shooters. Like, yeah. what else? Like, the best player on the team isn't playing. That's why the team sucks even worse than what it should. Yeah, and there's a trade-off for everything. You know, you can't have the right environment for guys to develop and still high and get assets. Like, those things. And I'm not saying the same people are some, – some some of the same people are saying that. I think maybe two different crowds, but you have to pick a direction, basically. You can't have a good, well-rounded team of veterans and all these guys who can help guys succeed and be the perfect environment and also sell high and get certain guys, right? You said, you know, you trade Bogey, you trade Burks. Uh, you know, now your best shooter on the roster is who? I mean, you know, you know, you don't really, really have one. And then you kind of compound a lot of the issues that, you know, we saw on this team in the past. So, uh, you know, I think sometimes we kind of get our wires crossed with the criticisms and we're kind of going off on the tangent a little bit. But like long story short, I think Bay and all the other young guys on the team, I've been given plenty of opportunity to, to su- succeed. And at the end of the day, you know, if, if Bay, if you know, if if Bay and other guys kind of want those roles, then they're going to have to find ways to drive wherever they are and who they're playing next to. Because teams are always going to trade for 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 better players. I mean, if you're not LeBron James or Jokic or somebody else, there's always going to be somebody better than you. Like that's just part of the beat in the NBA. Well, and we'll find out. Like I said, with Sadiq, we're going to find out because he's playing with a pretty talented roster. So I think we got a couple more, Wes. Let's get to him. Yes, two more. Uh, this next one's a little little lighter. Um, I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny. He, he was wondering if Sadiq or Wiseman get paid more on their rookie extension. So that is a good question because that is essentially a timeline question where does Wiseman figure uh, it out? Does Wiseman figure it out before? Well, I guess the real question is, do either of these guys side extensions? You know, like there's a good chance neither of them do. And then they, you know, they're going to restrict the free agency next year. But if it's today, you know, I think Sadiq would. Um, 
you know, I guess by April, well, not April, by August or, you know, whenever guys would sign these extensions, who would get more? I would say probably, I think Sadiq's just done more. So, like, probably him. Like, why is he going to have to show a lot in the next two months to probably uh, surpass whatever Sadiq gets? Like, let's say Sadiq gets, like, 14, you know, like, four years or whatever. So, you know, that's $56 million. You know, Wiseman is not a 56 over four years player right now. So, you know, if I had to bet, I'd say probably Sadiq. But, you know, I think this, I think because Wiseman doesn't have a lot of time to show what he can do before the extension, and it kind of just favors Sadiq just because he's been better up to this point. So I would say Sadiq. So those extensions will have to be signed before next season starts, correct? Before next season starts, you know, I'm kind of approaching it as. So it it has to be be Sadiq. Yeah, it has to be like it has to be Sadiq more than likely. James Wiseman's not going to have the chance. To, I mean, he would have to go crazy here for the end of the year to, which I mean, I guess it's possible, but I feel like it's going to be Sadiq because of that. I almost feel like Wiseman doesn't get an extension, and you know he'll go into restricted free agency, qualifying offer, all that stuff that you know a rookie would do. So that I, I think to answer the question is Sadiq, but it's a good question. Again, I don't know if this is Laz or not, but if it is, Laz always brings some really good questions. Yeah, no, it's a good, like, it's a good thought experiment. Like how, how much can James Wiseman yes. show yes. to like secure that type of deal? Cause I think the deadline is like October. October. Yeah. Mid October. And here's the thing. I, I know I keep going back to this. What if Sadiq isn't part of their playoff roster? You know, what if, what if what if Griffin and Jalen Johnson outplay him or they go eight deep? And, you know, what extension are the Hawks going to give Sadiq Bey if he's not part of the, the rotation outside of when they play 10 guys? You know, if he's not part of the playoff rotation. So I think Sadiq could actually end up getting less money in Atlanta than what he may have got with Detroit. Like, this may have hurt Sadiq Bey's pockets or he may blow up, be their sixth man and earn even more. Obviously, he could go either way. So I still think the right answer – the betting answer is Sadiq Bay, just because Wiseman doesn't have enough games to really showcase that. And if Wiseman blows up, he's probably better off playing next season out, blowing up, continuing to blow up, and then really demanding something in true free agency, restricted free agency. And I would think that he would probably, like for that reason, yeah, he would have every incentive to go into restricted free agency and let the market pay him rather than, than the Pistons saying, hey, we, you know, we have six first-round picks with this team. Uh, you know, do you, do you want to take a, a home-time di- discount, right? Like, he, he's probably like, no, like, I'm the second overall pick. I'm James Wiseman, former five-star. I'm going to go get my money. So uh, extension uh, probably favors Sadiq making more. Restricted free agency probably favors Wiseman making more. All right, Wes, last one. All right, last one. Uh, this is from RB again. Wondering if there's any chance Wiseman plays tomorrow. No. <laughs> no, there is not. There is not. He would uh, – I wouldn't even be shocked if the trade doesn't get announced tomorrow, uh, you know, just because it's a process to, you know, get guys in and pass a physical and all that. Like the earliest probably Sunday uh, when they're in Toronto playing the Raptors. All right, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I did that bull-bull breakdown and then he didn't pass the physical. So I hope I don't watch a whole bunch of James Wiseman film tomorrow. We had all this conversation and then the trade doesn't go through. But – Um, Thank you again to everybody for tuning in tonight and watching with us. If you're listening on the podcast on Friday or over the weekend, thank you to all of you as well. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, make sure you give it a rating, leave a review, hit us up on Twitter, comments, wherever. You know, we check the free comments. We check the DBB comments. So if you have some nice words or maybe you don't have some nice words for us, um, we're always (laughs) checking that out and reading it again. Shop.freep.com if you want some Pistons Pulse gear. Uh, Thank you, Wes, as always, man. You crushed it. Omari, I hope you have the outline up and ready to go. Um, Take it away, my guy. Yeah, I do not have the outline. (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, what's up? Is this 52, 53? 
It's 52. You know what? But I already know most of it by heart, right? So uh, shout out to our editor, Robin Chan. There we go. Our executive producer, Ejidette Delgado. Yes. And our first editor, Kirkley Crocker. Let's go. And also shout out Wes Davenport. We'll talk to you all on Tuesday.